and welcome back to another episode of Guidepost in Motion, a podcast highlighting risk, compliance, and security professionals with insights meant to keep you, your business, and operations moving forward. My name is Ed Batchelor, and I'm the Regional Vice President at Guidepost Solutions. Today's episode, Recognizing, Mitigating, and Managing Insider Threats, will feature a discussion between myself and my colleague, Angela Osborne, who specializes in emergency management planning, security risk assessments, and physical security assessments. And we're going to talk about insider threats, a security risk that comes from the inside of the organization. Before we get started, Angela, tell us a little about yourself. Thanks, Ed. As Ed mentioned, my name is Angela Osborne, and I'm the Associate Vice President of Risk and Emergency Management Solutions for Guidepost Solutions. Uh, I started out my career in the international energy sector, uh, working uh, from the Middle East, uh, doing assessments on power plants and well sites. I ended up uh, returning to the U.S. Uh, to do some work for a NASA Goddard Space Flight Center and for the Department of Commerce and the Office of Cybersecurity, and eventually came to Guidepost Solutions via uh, my connection um, through the ASIS Young Professionals Organization. And at uh, Guidepost today, I work with a very diverse collection of clients from uh, individuals in healthcare, uh, education, uh, legal sector, commercial, real estate. Um, Really, it's a very broad collection of clients. And a lot of my work today focuses on helping those clients to identify, assess, and mitigate uh, varying risks and threats that they have across their portfolio. Since joining Guidepost, I've had the opportunity to work very closely with Ed on an array of risk and emergency management solutions for our clients. Um, Ed, why don't you talk more about your background? Thank you, Angela. Uh, My background revolves around about 20 years of physical security and technology design um, in a consulting role working with clients from education, critical infrastructure, global corporations, and specifically commercial real estate. Uh, my career started in developing you know, low-voltage design syst- designs for systems, and then through the guidance of my mentors and from opportunities that came my way, I was able to you know, push into the security industry uh, for my passion of just technology and helping other people. Over the years of different roles of consulting, I've been exposed to many different types of, of clients and projects and opportunities that have taken me across the country and the globe. Uh, assisting in developing, you know, technology systems for organizations and security programs that help protect the people, the company, and the reputation. Angela, I think we both agree that while insider threats have existed in the last couple of years, especially recently, we have seen an uptick in companies reaching out to us to help mitigate our managed incidents. In fact, you know, from 2018 to 2020, you know, there was a 47% increase in insider threats. In my opinion, what I think one of the key reasons for the insider threats has been increasing, you know, uh, exponentially is due to the hypertension environment that swirls around us. What I really mean by that is, you know, the polarization of COVID, the vaccination mandates, the instability in the multiple sectors of the economy, um, you know, isolation as a result of the lockdowns and the increase of mental illness, you know, with the decrease in government assistance. All of these things lead to almost a perfect storm, you know, for employees to become perhaps vengeful or seek to cause harm, you know, either by, you know, theft of intellectual intellectual property or, you know, destruction of data to even espionage for competing companies uh, as a result of, you know, feeling left behind or left out or not valued. Angela, I know you work with many of these, these engagements. Why don't you tell us some other reasons why we're seeing an upwards 
shift in these types of incidents? Well, Ed, I think you touched on uh, quite a number of them. Um, in the uh, very polarized environment right now, uh, very charged uh, with um, politics. Uh, you mentioned, of course, the stress of the global pandemic, um, you know, across um, all of us, really, across the globe, but particularly for um, certain individuals who are affected significantly from an economic perspective. And then you also mentioned mental health, uh, which is a significant challenge across the U.S., certainly, uh, and uh, definitely an element that we see to a lot of these situations. In fact, that's why within Guideposts, we often rely on um, outside experts, um, behavioral um, psychologists, forensic psychiatrists to help us to understand uh, the situation uh, better um, so we can better help our organizations um, and help them prepare a more accurate risk assessment based on the actual situation they're dealing with. You know, um, you mentioned uh, too, to start off with, of course, the um, kind of hyper uh, political environment that we're dealing with right now. Uh, and I can speak to a situation that we had for one of our clients, a very prominent organization. Um, if you uh, knew the name, you would know that their uh, their reputation is great. You know, they do a lot of wonderful work to help and support people uh, all over the country. Unfortunately, this organization was targeted uh, because of a, a series of social media posts made by a current employee. Uh, obviously, it was uh, complicated uh, because this was an employee expressing uh, his um, freedom of speech. Um, certainly didn't want to infringe upon that, but um, unfortunately, people who were opposed to the messages he was putting out there realized where he worked very easily um, and subsequently started to target the organization itself uh, with a barrage of harassment, uh, not only against the organization itself, but also individuals who worked for the organization uh, who had no connection uh, to the individual to begin with, but unfortunately, um, you know, people were able to identify uh, where this person worked and connected him to the organization and connected the organization to his social media content. Uh, so it is a very complicated right now how this process works and how we also respect, um, you know, our employees' freedom of speech rights as well. Um, so altogether, a pretty complicated situation made a lot more complicated by the global pandemic. Often in these situations, there's a question, too, of whether the employee can remain with the organization successfully or not. Um, and certainly, Guidepost deals with a lot of scenarios where we're helping organizations to determine, um, you know, how to work with a complex termination process as well. Um, and certainly, the global pandemic has not, um, has not slowed things down for us in that regard. Ed, would you like to talk a little bit more about some of our work with high-risk terminations? Absolutely, Angela. And the global pandemic has not slowed this down. In fact, it's contributed to an uptick over the last 19 months or so of clients seeking support for high-risk terminations and such. You know, as a result of COVID and the financial stability, it has led more of employers seeking this assistance in terminations where they feel the employee poses a risk to other employees and or the organization or the brand. Um, we're able to support them by providing the intelligence, the behavioral analysis, and the threat um, review to help them navigate the road of the high-risk termination so that, you know, when in fact this does happen, you know, the employer is providing all the assistance and support possible, you know, to make sure that the employee is released um, and, you know, does not pose a risk to the, or a risk to the organization. I definitely agree with you on that, Ed. Um, and insider threats uh, don't uh, just happen when employees are in the office. 
uh, they happen remotely as well. And the pandemic has created a very serious security risk environment for companies in which employees who would not normally engage in insider threats had become more vulnerable to them. When we think about um, kind of philosophies on crime, uh, one of the core tenants is the crime triangle. And as you recall, one of the elements of that is really a lack of supervision, providing people with the opportunity. And certainly with people working remotely now, um, we find a situation where people are not as kind of under the microscope, I would say, of their managers. The managers are dealing with quite a lot. Um, you know, it's very difficult managing people remotely. And you don't see people in the office. You can't check in with them as easily. You've got to set up a uh, appointments or Zoom calls or uh, give them a ring, check in my email, but all of these things, um, sometimes they don't really provide the same level that we would get from an in-person interaction to really read people to see where they're at. And as a consequence, we are seeing more people who have become more vulnerable to um, insider threat issues. So whether it be um, you know, fraud, uh, financial crimes, could also be engaging in harassment as well. Um, so this is uh, certainly something we've seen, and I believe a lot of it has to do with not only the financial stress that people are facing today, as well as just the general stress of the pandemic, but also that lack of supervision that we have. And as we have seen uh, now today, uh, many organizations are going to continue in the path of remote working in order to retain their workforce. And certainly there are a number of benefits to that, I believe, personally as well. Uh, but it also brings in other challenges, particularly from the perspective of um, making sure um, that we are keeping track of insider threats and providing the proper supervision to our colleagues. And I think what I found even more disturbing, you know, than the increases in in cases and, you know, uh, in the outrageous level of conduct from these bad actors. I remember an incident, you know, in which we were asked to advise you know, for a particular nonprofit client of ours, you know, that suspected one of their employees of downloading intellectual property and other confidential documents, you know, that they thought they that individual was going to use to start their own business in competition against the organization. And Guidepost was brought in, you know, our team came in to assist, you know, with them. And what we did was deploy those covert measures in the network to track their activity and then using their security systems and helping them through the policies procedures be able to document the physical movement of the employee, kind of keep an eye on, you know, any suspicious behavior during, you know, about a 60-day window. And during our investigation, we identified several anomalies, you know, that as we assisted the client, you know, in making the decision to ultimately terminate that employee based on cause of suspicion as well as fact uh, of evidence that they were, you know, indeed, you know, downloading, securing, or removing um, intellectual property off of the closed and confidential networks of the organization. So it really came to highlight that, you know, even someone in such a, a stature position as a director of IT or over, you know, the information that the organization as well was, was set up to configure and use was still, you know, in a position to be an insider and ultimately, you know, proposed a threat to the organization that needed to be resolved. Hmm. You know, when I think about these issues, um, I can't help but uh, think about how the Internet has connected us so much more um, and also connected our employees with bad actors um, and also provided a, a platform really to engage in a lot of these illicit activities. You mentioned the a theft of intellectual property from an organization. 
uh, certainly that is a huge challenge um, and something that I think all organizations are coping with, whether they realize it or not. Um, another challenge, though, I see certainly with the connection of the Internet is the use of that medium to engage in harassment. Uh, and I can think of a number of examples uh, where we've had situations of current or former employees uh, who uh, had reached out to uh, current employees in the organization uh, to engage in uh, really terrible harassment. So we're talking uh, threats, um, you know, um, terrible language. Uh, we're also talking about um, really graphic images as well. Sometimes uh, the image of the person uh, sending uh, to the individual uh, with the intent really to embarrass the person, uh, to make them feel um, scared. And it's a really complicated situation. Often we find that um, maybe people have received these comments and not really been sure where they'd come from uh, or these messages. Um, or it could be a situation where they didn't realize that it was connected to a work uh, connection uh, until much later. And so often in that situation, we're going back to collect the content. And the good thing is, um, from our perspective as guideposts, when we come in to assist these organizations, we can help by going through a forensic review. And sometimes we can find the, you know, information that can help us identify the bad actor. Uh, it also helps us to compile the content so in case the organization decides to pursue legal charges or perhaps pursue an order of protection, we have all that content prepared and having a neutral third party do that can be exceedingly helpful in getting a legal action um, against bad actors like this. I wonder, Ed, can you talk to me a little bit more about um, some situations where we help clients to resolve these issues? When our clients contact us, you know, they are seeking help, advice, direction, and ultimately they want the problem to go away. I mean, what are some very basic approaches, you know, Angela, you know, that take without bringing in the third party? A great question, Ed. I think first on the list is to make sure people know to report these situations. Um, sometimes it can um, be uncertain whether the situation is related to the association with the company. Um, and so that's an important distinction there um, that we need to keep track of in the beginning. But it's really important for a place to feel comfortable enough to uh, report these situations. From there, I really recommend that organizations work to um, make sure that the data on this is collected. So any uh, tweets or Facebook messages, um, anything like that, we want to make sure emails um, are um, saved in their original format. By saving them in the original format, we have a better chance from a forensic perspective to identify um, who has sent them or get some content about the method of transmission as well, which can be very useful to identify individuals involved. So making sure to collect that information, to make sure it's secured, and to compile it. Um, another good um, tip, I think, for organizations, if the threats are being received via the company's email system, I would recommend rather than blocking the sender um, to instead uh, have the email messages from that sender be sent to uh, an IT point of contact, for instance, so that they can collect the information uh, over time. And this is very important for harassment situations because a lot of them are focused on a pattern of harassment, continued conduct, continued contact with the individual. So having the ability to collect that content is very important, but making sure that it's not going to the intended recipient, uh, as that can certainly cause a lot of emotional uh, harm 
and uh, challenging work environments. Um, from there, um, it's really important to make reports with law enforcement when these situations come up. You might think you don't have enough information uh, in order to do that, but I would recommend reaching out proactively. Again, it also provides a paper trail of you trying to reach out to resolve the situation, which over time can be very useful if you're going to pursue any legal action. So those are the first things that I would uh, certainly recommend. Um, make sure people can report, collect the content, make sure it's secure, and reach out to law enforcement. Yeah, all great steps, Angela. And I'm sure you can attest that all of these basic tactics, you know, are a step in the right direction. You know, we know firsthand that is not enough. Even when our clients bring in authorities, they still need help from a third party, you know, to kind of bring this to conclusion. And, you know, I want to spend more time talking about when it is right time to bring in a third party in our, ne in our next podcast. Thanks for joining the podcast today, Angela, and I look forward to talking to you more about involving third parties as well as the risk factors you know, organizations can monitor before an incident occurs. Thanks for having me in. Thanks to our audience for listening in today. Please join us again for part two. For more information on recognizing, mitigating, and managing insider threats, please visit our website at guidepostsolutions.com, where you also find more solutions to keep you, your business, and your operations moving forward.